Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special Crossing Borders. This time we are crossing borders, not with Canada versus the United States, but with Canada versus Australia, kind of an expat from the United States, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, so it's a bit of a different edition as we take a look back at some of the big storylines and some of the big topics that came out of the very exciting wildcard weekend this past weekend in the NFL. My special guest today is Corey Easley. You can find him at CMoney52. He is a member of the Unwrapped Sports Network. He is actually the co-director of at Unwrapped Bets. Make sure you follow both, all three. His own personal tag, the Unwrapped Bets and the Unwrapped Sports Network for some awesome coverage of basically every sport possible uh cory i know i just woke you up but how's it going in australia yeah it's you know well obviously with the fires and stuff i should say that first and foremost i'm safe but there's a lot of people that aren't and so just thought I'd throw that out there for all the people that um might be able to position to help um there's lots of mm. animals dying over here but I'm, I'm in a safe spot so yeah, it could be better on the Australia front at the moment. Yeah, so uh, I guess if you just want to give us, like, I'll give you the chance to do a very short, shameless plug of who you are, what you do, and how you ended up in Australia and from the United States, maybe? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm an Unwrapped Sports contributor, and you mentioned I'm one of the co-directors of At Bets Unwrapped on Twitter. Um and so how I came to Australia, I play, I played college basketball. I uh, was on a division one scholarship, played at the university of Montana. I'm from Minnesota. Uh, after that, after my playing career ended there, uh, I went to, I went and played overseas. I played in Germany. I played in Quebec over there where you are, nice. <laughs> Quebec city. Um, and then I moved on. I played in Bahrain and then I, got a job in Australia where I've been playing for the last 11 years. I mean, I work full time now, so it's not like full professional league, but um, I also play basketball on the side as well. And that's how I got to Australia. And I ended up finding uh, my partner here, my wife, and we got two kids now. So um, no, no, that would, that would explain, that would explain why I, why I, you never seem to sleep because this man is always on Twitter, and now I guess two kids really explains it all to me. Um, yeah. But anyways, enough about you, enough about me, enough about the show. For those who've listened, you you know what it is, except this time we're going. Usually we're talking all Philly sports this time. We're talking about the key storylines that came out of each game uh, on Wildcard Weekend. So, Corey, I'm, I'm going to give you the pick of the lot. We have... Four topics. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, we're going to go with Patriots Dynasty. Has it ended? Oh, yes. I love it because I am a Philadelphia diehard Eagles fan winning our first Super Bowl against the Pats and now watching the Dynasty come to a slow, painful, sputtering end is just amazing to watch. So, so what's your take on this one? <laughs> I'm a Patriots diehard, so let's go. Um, I definitely think it has not ended. A 12-4 division winning team is not a lost season. That sends you plummeting to the ground. Um, funny, while researching this, uh, I found an article on the dynasties of the NFL. And the Pats were listed on there. And I didn't look at the date. Could you guess what year it was that they said they weren't? sure if the Pats dynasty was over yet as they had a good season but it wasn't a great season could you guess uh, what year it was what season would that be they broke, broke down that. all the dynasties in the NFL and they were like all oh, the Patriots dynasty might be over as well after last season I'm going with 2017 because why losing to the Philadelphia Eagles in their first ever Super Bowl? You gotta think that that might have been the year. It's the year was 2009. <laughs> so we we people have been waiting for this dynasty to end since 2009. 
Uh, well, so, I, I, I kind of wish it would end, so continue. Yeah, so I guess with the other dynasties, the common denominator in many of them was the coach leaving or retiring. The Cowboys, the early, um, obviously the Cowboys in the 90s, uh, the 49ers, the, six, the 60s Packers all had head coaches leave or retire. And for that, that that's why one of the reasons why I don't think the dynasty has ended uh, with Bill Belichick still there roaming the sidelines. Uh, anything can really happen. I mean, this guy took Matt Castle and took him to 11-5 record. Yes, they didn't make the playoffs that year because Miami actually was good. Uh, however, with him on the sidelines, I just don't see how the dynasty can end. Uh, and this team has remade itself at least four different times. And mm. like with most dynasties, they last about five-year cycles now. Um, and this team is just... You know, this they're on the end of the f- the fifth year, so this is a new cycle that's about to begin. So, obviously, with Brady being a free agent and everything, that's that's up in the air. So, we'll see how they re- rebuild this time, and if they decide to keep going with Brady or not. But I can't say that it's over until they have one of those seasons where you know, like a Ram season this of this year. So. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, and I also loved watching that because as a Carson Wentz truther, watching Jared Goff fail continuously and then dragging the team down with him is is just all the more satisfying from an Eagles perspective. But for me, I'm going with I I think the dynasty is over, coming to an end, as I kind of implied when introducing the topic. I mean. Yeah, most the common denominator is that the coaches move on and Bill Belichick is the greatest coach to ever coach in the NFL. You know, I'm not a, I'm not afraid to give praise to the dynasty because it's probably the only dynasty in the NFL that I will that me and you will most likely get to pay witness to in its entirety. So I can respect that. I can respect it. I hate it because I hate the fan base. I hate I hate that that nothing's good enough. There's people there's people out not all the fan base. There's some that you know, know, know they they have their you know they're they're okay. But then there's the people who saw the Instagram post by Tom Brady and they burnt his jersey. This man gave you six championships. You cannot burn this man's jersey because he's considering going elsewhere or or leaving. Like that that's just complete disrespect this isn't lebron james hopping between teams and whoring himself out there every nba team that wants to build around him no 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 so so that that's that's the fan base i'm talking about but as far as this goes like they they were the oldest team in the nfl for much of this year and and they in past years they've remained one of the older teams and they've been able to make it work based around tom brady Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, but I think the dynasty was starting to come to an end in when Rob Gronkowski left. I thought when that happened, that was a threat of the end because of how important Rob Gronkowski was. And then they somehow had the complete luck of facing Jared Goff and Sean McVay, who had no right being in that Super Bowl last year. Um, because, I mean, you look at it, that team... They didn't even they didn't know what they were doing. They they just weren't prepared for that. I think that if it had been another team from the NFC, there's a very real chance that I think the Pats would have lost that Super Bowl and we would have had that discussion of the Pats dynasty ending last season. But I mean, Tom Brady hasn't looked himself, even though yes, Bill Belichick's coaching the team. Tom Brady just hasn't looked himself. Julian Edelman's aging. He's starting to get I mean, we saw the report today he's played through three or four different injuries. I mean, you you have no real setup for, for continuing the dynasty. Like, Jared Stidham's there, but wh- who is he? What is he going to be? Like, I just can't see how this Pat's dynasty can continue. I mean, McDaniels might leave. I mean, Patricia left. Nothing really changed. If McDaniels leave, leaves, could something change? I just don't see how this Pat's dynasty can continue for much longer. And I think if it's not over, it is beginning to re- slowly and painfully come to an end, whether Pat's fans want to admit it or not. 
I think, yeah, obviously it's going to end. I mean, at some point it has to. But to say that after this season that it's over is a bit, I don't know, premature, I think. Uh, as for fan bases, I can't really defend them. But, I mean, if any fan base is a little bit fickle, it's got to be Philly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you got to love about Philly fans. We are we are fickle. We are passionate. We will boo anybody. We will boo Santa. We have proven it. But, I mean, I guess my, my question to you is when – what do you consider over for a dynasty? So they lost the Super Bowl this year. They've lost two of their last three appearances. Or two, they've lost one of their last two appearances, and then they didn't even make it through Wild Card Weekend. When do you consider a dynasty over? Is it just when Belichick they, leaves? No, they got to miss the playoffs. I mean, they, like they have a really tough on-the-surface schedule next year. Got the NFC West, I believe. Um so it won't be like all roses and cupcakes like it was this year. Uh, so obviously with free agent, they got lots of guys that they either have to resign or let go. Some of the stalwarts from the last few years, like Kyle Van Noy, Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty, uh, just tons of guys that, you know, Matthew Slater, these guys who have just been the heart and soul of the team, what are they going to do with those guys? Are they going to bring some of them back? Mm-hmm. I expect that they will, but it's just what will the team look like? That's that's the whole thing. And like I said, they have to remake themselves a little bit, and they've done this time after time after time. Um, I mean, I remember when they cut Lawyer Malloy like back in 2003, and it was like the biggest deal of all time. When they cut Richard Seymour, and you know, they rebuilt on the fly. They cut some key guys, and that's the Belichick kind of way. That's, you know, just cutting guys when you don't think they're going to cut them or getting rid of the guy, not re-signing a guy when they thought they are going to re-sign them. Yeah, I mean, I uh, guess for, for me, I mean, like, the, some of those pieces are massive pieces for you guys, and I just don't know if this is one of those ones where you can rebuild on the fly because, I mean, if you think about Tom Brady leaving, like, how hard it is for a team to, to rebuild on the fly – based on on losing that key piece i mean we've watched team after team who just they they can't succeed because of the quarterback and showing the importance of the quarterback and and i mean you finally drafted one with jared stidham and got younger there and you brian hoyer around but i mean look what you had you could have had jimmy garoppolo but the drama there that happened you had jacoby Brissett, which i guess hindsight 2020 you're sitting there and you're like thank god we moved on from him because look what he's doing in indy but i mean at the end of the day i mean this is these aren't just little pieces like like you give up uh, last year you gave up that you like over that tackle who's now in oakland who signed the massive contract like there's there's pete there's times when you move on from people but i feel like this is a lot more than what they're used used to as far as rebuilding on the fly, you said it, the two McCordys, Kyle Van Noy, potentially Tom Brady, Julian Edelman and his health, although he will be back, Julian Edelman and his health, the regression of Sony Michelle, the ages of the age of Rex Burkhead, like you just never know. I mean, the only thing that I see there as a positive going forward is Nikhil Harry and what you did in drafting Nikhil Harry, who I think will be an absolute stud receiver day on the road. But, I mean, for me, in the AFC East, where their teams are finally emerging, I don't know if I would say the dynasty's over with a playoff miss. I think the dynasty would be over with repeat wildcard losses or repeat inabilities to get back to the Super Bowl, I think would be my way of calling the dynasty over. But, I mean, you, you just never know. I mean, like for for some, it, it it's just so hard to decide whether the Pats dynasty is over based on that alone or based on deciding on a time frame. Because, like you said, the one thing the common denominator was coaches leaving. So p- perhaps maybe the end is when Bill Belichick decides to leave. But who knows when Bill Belichick will leave? Because he seems like the ageless wonder on the sideline. So yeah. it's it's very it, it is a difficult subject 
But I I am calling this the end. Whereas a Pats fan may have a bit of a harder time accepting the end, if you if you know what that I mean. <laughs> but I guess enough enough Pats talk. We'll we'll move on from that. Um I'll I'll pick the next topic, and I think you know we we gave a, we gave the fair shake to the Pats now, so we're gonna go to another topic where, of course, we're on complete opposite sides of the spectrum. Here is Doug Peterson elite. That is a conversation. That is the next topic at hand after everything that he did in getting that team to the playoffs uh, with essentially a practice squad and a bunch of Walmart greeters. We made it to the playoffs. We suffered a very dirty blow early on from Jadavion Clowney taking Carson Wentz out, and the team stood tall with Josh McCowan, and ultimately we ended up being eliminated because when the field got short, McCowan and Peterson could not get a point out of it. So what are your thoughts? Is Doug Peterson elite? (laughs) I definitely don't think he's elite, and I'll tell you why. Uh, (laughs) You just haven't put it all together yet. Yes, I understand that they won a Super Bowl. That was just kind of team like out of the blue there. Uh, they played very well. And they had a nice little run there. Oh, you might want to hold your phone up. <laughs> uh, they played the underdog very well. Um, with preseason hype, like they had this year, um, they really worked out. Uh, they love... He loves playing the underdog card, and I think here was like that as a player as well. He's how to do that. Oh, yeah, you, you, you cut out there, Corey. Sorry, I was just oh, saying that. Go. There we go. We're all good. When his um, back is against the wall, he's a very good coach. Um, I think that comes a little bit from his playing career as well, because mm-hmm. he was the underdog there as well. Um, I think the Eagles have had one of the most talented rosters the last few years. And I think the credit would have to go to the GM in the front office on that. And then also for that, I'm all for giving Howie Roseman credit. (laughs) I think that losing Frank Reich was very evident with the offense. And I think that he did a lot more, behind the scenes and people might have thought uh, once they lost Frank Reich and then the team you know was at a boiling boiling point you know at the pre- beginning of the year with a lot of the Carson Wentz stuff um, with guys saying you know Ertz is getting the ball too much and things like that and I think a lot of that stuff needs to be, I guess, squashed before it gets out like that, especially in a place like Philly where things can get a bit out of a hand in the media. Um, he, I think he just needs to do a better job of controlling that. Yeah, I guess I can agree to disagree with that because I guess for, I mean, we saw, we witnessed it earlier in the season with Orlando Skandrick and what Orlando Skandrick said. And, and Orlando Skandrick was probably the one spreading this dirty, dirty stuff around and airing out the dirty laundry. I mean, that's what we have all come to agree upon in Philadelphia is that it was him because he constantly continues to appear on... Um, on uh, first first things first where he sides with skip bayless on everything to do with the philadelphia eagles or against the philadelphia eagles and and i I mean i guess i can see where where you came from and the the way that you're aiming you're talking about howie roseman and what howie roseman like and what he's done and how he's been definitely should have probably been honored as an executive of the year but he never got that honor. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have to disagree. I mean, I, I get the dirty laundry thing, and I mean it always gets out. I mean, look at what happened with look at what's happened with the the the, the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. We're gonna call Bill Belichick elite. He's like the elitist of elites. And even things got it with him, the cheating scandals, the whole situation with Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo, and the reason Jimmy Garoppolo ended up 
can't essentially being shoved out of New England. So I'm I'm gonna go with Doug Peterson easily. He should be mentioned in the in the upper echelon of the conversation of who's the best coach. Because three or four seasons he's made it to the playoffs. His combined season and playoff record is above is above six hundred winning percentage with one season even being below five hundred at seven and nine. He he tailored an offense completely around a backup quarterback with the run pass option that made them so successful on that playoff run that led to the 2017 Super Bowl. Then 2019 culture that he built through all the injuries, the players he had to use, the the situations we kind of alluded to before about with Orlando Skandrick and and the mention that Ertz was getting the ball too much and and some of the some of the anger among some of the players i mean you look at like good coaches win games and make the playoffs like look at a mike mccarthy the he, he's a, he was a good coach we can probably say that and he'll probably make the playoffs but but a super bowl was always always seemed so elusive deep runs in the playoffs seemed elusive with him but elite coaches like and i'm putting them together peterson and belichick they, they lift their players up. They build a culture of success no matter the circumstance. And they make their they make their players better. Bill Belichick took a guy who was drafted as a 199th pick and made him perhaps the greatest quarterback in NFL history. He arguably. And Peterson took Nick Foles to the Super Bowl as his quarterback and made him a Super Bowl MVP. And now look what he's doing with Carson Wentz. I just I just don't know how we can't call Doug Peterson elite or at least put him in the discussion because he's definitely a lot better than a guy like Sean McVay who's in the media for being the the poster boy of future coaches and look at what he's done look at what has happened into that team so I I just don't know how you can't call Peterson elite I think McVay is a you know a good offensive mind however I think his organization has let him down with the way that they've created that team I think that you're not giving Frank Reich enough credit for that run with Nick Foles. Um, I don't know how much we 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 don't know how much uh, each had in the hand of that Nick Foles run. Whether you know Frank Reich designed that offense, or if Doug Peterson designed that offense, or if they both designed it, and how much came from each, we don't know that. But we do know that a lot of that stuff that they were doing. The Colts were running this year and looked good at times with Frank Reich at the helm. So I think I think he gets a little bit more credit. And I would say that he's definitely in discussion. I'll relent and say that he's in discussion, but I wouldn't put him near the top. I would have five head coaches ahead of him at the at the moment. Um, five. Five head coaches ahead of Doug Peterson right this very moment. Okay, wait, wait, let me let me think. Let me think. Maybe Yeah, you gotta give me them five. <laughs> I, know, I know Bill Belichick. I'll agree to disagree with Bill Belichick. I just don't know if there's other coaches at this current point in the NFL where I can say for certain like you could probably flip flop them. Like I don't think after Bill Belichick, I think elite drops off, but there is like that tier of borderline elite you know when you do those tiering things like this guy's borderline elite with probably three or four other coaches but I think it's fair to say that he can be in that elite discussion because like you said it's clear like we don't know for sure who had more of a hand to play in in the success of that 2017 offense and the Super Bowl run especially after what we saw out of the Mike Grow offense this year but I mean that's a beauty of being the head coach Josh McDaniels is praised and he's a good offensive coordinator but no one's lining up to interview Josh McDaniels after that Super Bowl victory it's Bill Belichick or after a massive playoff clinching win it's Bill Belichick and that's the beauty of being the head coach is even if it was Frank Reich Doug Peterson got all the attention Frank Reich only got a head coaching job because Josh McDaniels you know kind of kind of left the Colts high and dry so at the end of the day I think that you can't you'd you'd be hard-pressed to name three or four coaches who are currently better 
I mean, or who are you could currently name as a, that same tier, but above Doug Peterson? Well, I would just say Sean Payton, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin would be ahead of him at the moment. And I then, would call. See, my issue with Andy Reid is I'd call him good, but I can't call him elite. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. It's eluded right. him. His inability. He's, he's a he's a good coach. He's a Mike McCarthy. He's a good coach. He wins games. He makes the playoffs. He can lead them on runs. But there's that one thing that continues to elude him. And imagine Andy Reid retires, never winning a championship, but making all these countless playoff appearances and above 500 playoff record. Such great success with the likes of Donovan McNabb and Patrick Mahomes, and then just nothing to show for it. But and Nick Foles like you can't call that I just can't see how you can call that elite I don't I just can't see how that can be put in the same spectrum Sean Payton yeah we're getting there we we might be able to have a new we might be able to open up a discussion on Doug Peterson versus Sean Payton but I mean even Sean Payton's been met with some struggles and, and issues I mean the last two playoffs have ended in essentially what nobody wants to accept as the blame of anyone within the New Orleans Saints. They got a damn rule changed because of their loss. And then this year, they want another. They want that rule changed over and over again because they think that there was pass interference, offensive pass interference in the end zone on the touchdown that eliminated them from the playoffs. So Those guys have longevity as well. So I think Doug Peterson just needs to continue what he's been doing over a longer period of time before we can just say, all right, yep, he's one of the best coaches in the league. Let, let's wait another two or three seasons. If he does, if he keeps doing what he's been doing, then yeah, no doubt, for sure. Well, but last week, last yeah. week on on Crossing Borders, we had a uh, a decade in review of Philadelphia sports, and we all made great big, not crazy guarantees, but we made guarantees for 2020 in the it, it, for each sports team, and my guarantee was Doug Peterson would make it through the next decade and win us another two Super Bowls with Carson Wentz as his franchise quarterback. So I'm saying that he's become an elite with that guarantee. If he does that, he's yeah, he's elite, elite. There's not, there's not going to be anyone that can even touch him because besides Bill Belichick, I think there's only the only there's no other coaches that have won more than one Super Bowl. So. Exactly. Until Doug Peterson in hopefully the next year, maybe two, maybe he'll win us two in the next two. But now we'll move away. We'll move away from clear favoritism as we move away from the Eagles and we move away from the Patriots. The next topic, we have two more topics, Kirk Cousins and Derrick Henry. Which one do you want to tackle first? Uh, I think Henry's probably the the quickest and easiest to want to get out of the way here. Yeah, Derrick Henry is a, definitely a good topic because uh, in my Dynasty Fantasy League, I sold Derrick Henry for Julio Jones, and there was some picks involved. So this is a great time to talk because the question is to resign or not to resign Derrick Henry after his monster season of over 1,700 yards, and I can't remember the exact touchdown amount. Was it 12? 12 touchdowns this year. He had an absolute monster of a season and he ran away with the Russian title. So what's your, what do you, what's your take, Corey? Do you re-sign him or not? And we might be able to find some common ground on this one. I say re-sign Henry and I'm all for usually, usually not signing running backs. However, in this case, he's an integral part of their offense. Uh, Teams, Teams should only pay running backs with when their offense is predicated around it. So I didn't mind the Ezekiel Elliott contract. Uh, I Even don't, the money, I the money and the length for Henry, or sorry for for, for Zeke for Zeke that because that's some I legit length to have a guy a bruising back like that. Right, I understand that, but I mean they'll be out. I mean they could get out of that contract pretty you know, in a few years anyway, if they really wanted to. Um, that's, that's the funny thing about the uh, NFL contracts. I mean, you can give a guy a six-year contract, but it's really like a three- or four-year contract. Um, 
But I just think that Henry, because of the way the Titans play, he's such an integral part of that offense. I don't think they can just replace him with a replacement level back. So I just think that because of that, they need to at least consider paying him. I'm not saying pay him Ezekiel Elliott money for sure. I, I was looking more at around the David Johnson type contract, which looks terrible now, <laughs> by the way. Um, around the $12, $13 million mark. Uh, and then only like a, like you said, not a super long deal, but a you know three or four year deal. And then just run them into the ground during those three or four years. So, so like the doubt. Dallas Cowboys did with uh, DeMarco Murray at the end of his contract. Um, and it, he just fits their personality. They're physical up front, you know, in the trenches type team. And I think that's kind of what they are at the moment with Tannehill at quarterback. So, Well, as I, as I did with my fantasy, Derrick Henry, I am thinking the same thing in for real life, Derrick Henry. And I'm saying don't resign. I mean, he he just turned 26 years old. He's he's a violent and aggressive runner who feeds off of contact. This man needs contact, and this guy needs volume for him to perform at, at the level that he's been performing at this year. And I I just I'm I'm just of the belief, just like you said, look with the David Johnson contract, like it won't age well. I don't think it'll age well. And and it's it's just it's not the direction the NFL's going anymore. I mean, you look at like the Miles Sanders of the world, the Devin Singletaries, the Austin Ecklers. Everyone's looking for players to open up the field. And a guy like Derrick Henry, who who isn't much of a threat in the passing game, you just essentially know that if he's on the field, he's blocking or he's gonna try and run over you. So it, it, he doesn't really open up the field. He doesn't he doesn't create much of a threat beyond get ready i'm gonna run right at you and i'm gonna run you over type of threat spot track currently has his value at 11.6 million dollars on a four-year contract but just as you kind of alluded to about the way that nfl contracts are and the non-guaranteed dollars i think it's going to be obviously the market's going to get aggressive for a running back like derrick henry and push his value well over 11.6 million you kind of said it 12 to 13 million i'm thinking closer to the high 12s bordering on 13 million dollars but i mean you think about that, like there's going to either have to be a lot of gear. I think there's going to have to be a lot of guaranteed money. I mean, we witnessed it with the Z contract. We witnessed it with the Todd Gurley contract to some extent. Every next contract in line, just like the quarterback contracts, is going to lead to, you know, more guaranteed because they want more money. They want more money. They want to know that they can retire. And a guy like Derrick Henry and a runner like that is just going to command so much of your salary cap on a yearly basis and so much guaranteed dollars that I just don't think it makes sense for a team to do it. I mean, ultimately, running backs are are becoming like a dime a dozen thing in the NFL. There's so many coming out of college that are cheaper that you can draft with skills with like better better skill sets and, and they're better alternatives for today's NFL. And I just think that if they chose to move on from Derrick Henry in this draft class, they could find someone who can open up the field just as much. And I mean, a one-trick pony like Henry will be at risk of losing touches to any skilled player who comes in. And I know that's true of anyone, but the less tricks you can do, the less worth you have as more weapons come in say they go out they sign resign derrick henry they throw a ton of money at him and then they go out and get that change of pace back like an austin eckler in the draft this year say you go out and you get an eno benjamin or whatever who has who has who has a pretty solid passing game who's a good change of pace type back then it's I think that it just will lead to Derrick Henry just losing more and more value because you're going to realize the value of having that guy out there who can really spread the field and open up the offense. Just as I'll go back to my Eagles, just as we saw with Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, you could alternate. You had Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders in the backfield together side by side. Oh, shit, what's going to happen? Are they going to run it down the throat with Howard, who's one of the most consistent power runners in the league? Or are they going to throw the ball to, to Miles Sanders and Howard's just a decoy to block. You just never knew. 
So I think whoever pays will overpay on the contract, and this contract will absolutely not age well. So I say do not resign. I get I get what you're saying with that one. I just I just think that with him, I, you can cut Deion Lewis. You can use that money, send it towards Henry's way. I mean, Deion Lewis was supposed to be that guy, and he wasn't, or he wasn't this year, obviously. With their offense, I think he's got plenty of speed. He just doesn't have a lot of wiggle. But with their offensive line, they create holes for him where he can just take advantage of those things. Um, I just think Derrick Henry is a, you know, integ- he's just a, a very important piece to that team and the way it's built. So obviously in a, in a vacuum, I wouldn't do it. But if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I really have to think seriously about, you know, re-signing him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the way that NFL contracts are, which I am one of those guys who stands on the side of I don't really like the way it is. I also love the NHL where they fully, they essentially fully guarantee your contracts by if you get released or something, they spread the contract out over X amount of years as dead money for a team. So... I like that method. The way that the NFL does it, it makes it so a guy like Derrick Henry and a guy like Zeke and a guy like Gurley will go out and they will get maximum guaranteed dollars and it will nail maximum, create maximum dead money situations for teams. And it's a shame that the NFL is this way because these players rack up millions of dollars and they put so much tread on their tires. They get beaten to all hell and then they have no real like retirement. I mean, they make millions, but you, you know, it's how rich people are. They spend, they spend, they spend. So they don't put away, they don't prepare necessarily. They don't necessarily have the world's greatest insurance plan because who's going to insure you if you're a football player, who's basically going to go for million dollar surgeries every year to replace torn ACLs or, or to replace broken bones or whatever. I mean, ultimately, I hate the way the contracts are, and that is one of the reasons I would be staying far away from Derrick Henry because, I mean, look at the way the Todd Gurley contracts agent. Could we predict the arthritis? No. Can we predict? Yes. Yes, we could have known that. I think they did know that coming in. I mean, I guess you could say that. You could say that, but like for Zeke or for for Henry, what if Henry tears his ACL next year? You can't predict that that's going to happen. Zeke, you can predict based on the running style, based on the aggression and the violence of the sport, that it's likely it's going to happen. And that's why I'm like against going there. And I mean, you can see it in the way the Patriots are. They have Sony Michelle, but then you got like a Rex Burkhead and you have a James White. They always have that change of pace back so that they can always, and they have the fullback. They use the fullback, the importance of the fullback they, on full they display. Just don't, don't spend on running back. So there's teams that do, and there's teams that just won't and they won't. And I, I just, just think, think that they'd be that any team who does this with Derrick Henry would be out of their mind. It's like paying your franchise. It's like think they. It's like thinking that for a minute paying Dak Prescott forty million dollars a year is smart. It, it's it's not. You don't want to put that's yourself. A that's a different look, conversation. <laughs> it is a completely different conversation. But let's look at the Rams situation with Todd Gurley. They're strapped. Look at the Cowboys situation with Zeke. They are strapped. They have to re-sign Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, Byron Jones, and then they have their, then they have Jalen Smith and Lane Vanderash coming up in the coming years. But they're strapped on a $16 million Zeke contract, a $16 million contract with a running back. I just think that they both of those teams are strapped for other reasons because they weren't smart in other areas. If you're going to sign a running back, you have to be smart in other areas. You can't spend you can't have the most expensive offensive line like you do in dallas you can't have the most expensive you know especially if you especially in the rant uh the dallas situation like if you're going to have a top you know top three back and you're going to pay him we'll pay him because he's going to make those offensive line like he's going to make those guys better or he should if that's the type of back he is um if he's not then you should probably be paying him uh, so why do you need the most expensive offensive line and you know one of the most expensive running backs it just doesn't make any sense. Um, 
as far as the Rams, they just spend money everywhere. So yeah, they just I mean, they just kind of threw money to anybody who wanted it. It's like it was like a charity for them in free agency just, over the last couple of years. But I mean, for me, I just don't think it makes sense. I can't see how it makes sense. I, as an Eagles fan, I don't want to resign Jordan Howard. I think there are backs similar that can bring a similar style of run as Jordan Howard in the draft this year that we could go for in the third or the fourth round. I mean, we do have seven picks in the first four rounds. So, I mean, I, I am for that. I'm, I'm for that. Like, if Jordan Howard's commanding $10 million, you turn away, you turn and you walk away. Yes, he is the picture of consistency with four, I believe it's four straight thousand yard seasons from scrimmage. So, yes, he's a picture perfect image for consistency as a power running back, but we all know, just as Derrick Henry, these will not last. And as a sport, they try to protect the players, but as the sport continues to get violent, you can only protect so much. And running backs are one of those positions that you just can't constantly be protecting because of the violence of the sport and because of they literally run full tilt at a bunch of 300-pound men and say, yeah. well, hopefully I make it through. So I just don't yeah. see the reason for, for paying and put in a lot, such a large investment, like we're thinking about $13 million in a guy who just had his, his breakout season. A 1,700-yard season, he had a 1,000-yard season from scrimmage a year prior, but this is essentially his true breakout going-out party right here. And are we uh, ready yeah. to say that he's worth that money at the age of 26? Just the last thing on that, though. This is the first re- year that they've actually used him full-time. Like last year, he was splitting with Deion Lewis pretty much full tilt. Which and was ridiculous that, because Deion yeah, Lewis yeah. is not a good back. But <laughs> I digress. Yes. So, I mean, now we see what he's capable of with, you know, the full workload. And it's pretty eye-popping what he can do. So, I understand not paying the running backs, though. So, I kind of feel yeah, like my, my, my I guess for me, my last thing is how many times will you take those shots and keep running when will be that time that you take that shot that alters your career like we saw with Todd Gurley I guess you knew with the multiple ACL tears but then there was just some shots that you just knew those were the ones that those were the ones that were difference makers the ones where you tore that ACL or the ones where you missed multiple weeks afterwards you just knew those those games those hits how many times can Derrick Henry take those and how much money is worth investing in that. Again, that, that discussion for, for we could go on forever with Derrick Henry and running backs, and especially with the way contracts are in the NFL. Because as you know, I'm NFL and then I'm NHL. So two opposite sides of the spectrum as far as uh, contracts go. So we'll move on. That was, a, that, that was a good back and forth on Derrick Henry. Now we're going on to another one that I feel so passionately about. Because he was a former Redskin, and I hate the Redskins. <laughs> Not as badly as the Cowboys, but I hate the Redskins. But you you brought this topic up. I never even thought of it when we were deciding on topics. This one was a really interesting one. Kirk Cousins and the Miami Vikings. Kirk Cousins has finally, thank goodness, pray to the heavens, won an important football game. He won a playoff game. They're going on to play this week in the divisional round and it's time to see what Kirk Cousins says can he make a run but you brought up an interesting point of should you extend Kirk Cousins now based on what he did and with his fully guaranteed contract coming to an end here soon what's your thoughts do you extend Kirk Cousins do you do you run the risk that that was just one big game and he'll never win another big game again for you or do you write, or do you stand on the other side of the fence saying this is a beginning this is a new Kirk Cousins the team they built around him this is a new team this is there's something special here yes so i i brought this up because obviously there's been a lot of there was a lot of discourse and i'm from minnesota so a lot of my friends are vikings fans and you know there was a lot of you know, cousins this, cousins that coming out. And especially at the beginning of the year, they started out two and two, and man, he was just getting crushed in the media. 
you know, Adam Thielen, I think, came out. I mean, Diggs has been unhappy all year, but <laughs> that's another story. Um, mm-hmm. But since week four, uh, so I, I have the case that you should re-sign Cousins after this year just because he's got one year left after this year. So he's got the final year of his deal next year. And I don't know if you really want to play that game again with him since he's so used to going to the franchise tag and, you know, doing that stuff. But since week four, Cousins completed over 73% of his passes for 2,202 yards, 18 touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, A season's completion rate is um, 71% despite attempting more difficult throws. That's uh, per sports track. He has improved over last year, and that has been without Adam Thielen for most of this year. Uh, Passer rating versus four-man rush this year is uh, 88.5. It improved over from 83.1 last year, and against the Blitz, it's at 129.7. Last year, it was at 104.5. And the O-line has given up the same amount of pressure as as it did last season. So those are just a few stats to throw at you. Um, Kirk Cousins always fills up the stat sheet every single year. Um, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be in the bottom half of the league in anything. And I just think with the structure they have there with the Vikings, the Vikings are always going to be a defensive-minded team with Zimmer. They got Dalvin Cook there now. The way that they incorporate play-action passing is right into Kirk Cousins' wheelhouse. And I think it's just smart business to re-sign them as early as possible because, as you know, the next quarterback is always the most expensive quarterback. So if they can get out in front of all these other guys that are going to be coming up soon, I think they just do it now, get it over with. As the cap creeps up, it doesn't look as, you know, it just gets better and better as, as far as contract goes. So I think he he needs I think the Vikings need to seriously consider re-signing cousins, even if they falter this round against 49ers, uh to re-signing cousins because I think their offense, the way their offense is designed with those two receivers, I think he's just a really good fit for their what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and, and say that that you know, like being at the top of the league in passing yards or anything like that is a good dictation of of a good quarterback from that perspective. Because the four of the five top passers this year were not on playoff teams. The top passer by passing yards perspective through 30 interceptions and 30 TDs for the first time in NFL history. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, you can have a guy, you can put out a Godwin and an Evans, you can put out a Thielen and a Diggs and yeah, they're going to catch a ton of balls. You might get to throw a lot of garbage times. You might be in a lot of shootouts because your defense isn't great. But I mean, for me, it's hard not to look like a good quarterback with those weapons. He's got a decent offensive line. They do give up some good, some pressure. But then you got Dalvin Cook. You got Kyle Rudolph. You got Irv Smith Jr. emerging. You got Stefan Diggs. You got Adam Thielen. Um, I'm on the don't extend side because I'm still not convinced that Kirk Cousins, I don't think Kirk Cousins has lived up to the fully guaranteed contract that is coming up on its expiration. I don't think he's lived up to that. The man just won his first big NFL game. Like, like people in Minnesota are celebrating a win in the wildcard round. I mean, it is against the Saints and Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and that very well may be the end of Brees in, in New Orleans, and maybe that's something to celebrate, just like just like Logan Ryan sleeps happily every night knowing, saying, oh, yeah, I, I might have that last pick on Tom Brady. But, I mean, ultimately, I, I got to see more. I got to see more. I, same with Mike Zimmer. I got to see more from these guys. They they finally he finally won a crucial game. His record in primetime and his record on Monday nights is painful. It's excruciating. I don't have it exactly here, but it's been all over Twitter. It was all over Twitter, like you said, after the first four weeks when he was getting roasted. Just go back and take a look at one of those articles. The facts are there 
for all you need to see. The man cannot perform well under pressure, despite that he was putting up some MVP type, MVP caliber numbers. And for around week eight, week nine, week ten, there there was a moment there where where people were kind of like, maybe he's should be an MVP conversation. And then Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson ran away with it, and then Jackson ran away with it from there. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, he's got to prove more. He's got to win this weekend. He's got to win. Now, if you get to the conference round, then you're talking. Then you're sitting there and you're like, okay, maybe we should extend you. Because like you said, next man up, Dak Prescott. He could command, and he is nowhere near it, but he could command 36, 37 million. Because he's like, well, Carson Wentz got 35. I want this. Or this guy got this, so I want this. It's always a comparing game. So the further Kirk Cousins can get them, the more he, you know, well, if you wait till next year, you're fully guaranteeing me again, and I'm getting like 45 million a year out of this fully guaranteed. So I get that perspective, but I want to see more. I want to see those primetime wins, those Monday night wins, those massive divisional wins, those ones that take you from being a wild card weekend bound team to make giving you that first round bye, to giving you that bye through the playoffs. And I understand that that, or not the bye through the playoffs, but home field through the playoffs. And I get it. I get that it's difficult in the NFC because the NFC is a whole different monster this year. And it looks like it could be for the foreseeable future when you compare and contrast with the AFC. The worst team to make the playoffs was the Eagles. The NFC made the NFC a laughing stock because you could have easily replaced them with somebody else and probably would have made the would have made the playoffs a bit more exciting because you'd be letting in a 10 and 6 team instead of a 9 and 7 division winner. But ultimately, I got to see more. I got to see more from Cousins. I mean, granted, his time in Washington probably did not do his career justice. Obviously, it did enough justice for a team to fully guarantee his contract for four years. But ultimately, I need to see more with those weapons, with that team. Is it Cousins? Is it Zimmer? I think it's hard to say that Zimmer because Cousins has the track record to show he's not good in pressure situations. So after this weekend, say he wins, I'm still on the don't extend. I still want to see a little more, but I might hold up a little bit. But then you get to the Super Bowl and there's some people picking them to go to the Super Bowl. Me, not one of them, but there's some people I know out there who picked them to go to the Super Bowl when the playoffs started. You get to the Super Bowl, suddenly I'm really letting up. You win the Super Bowl, you extend that man, but you're paying for it. So, I mean... Wait, I just, so why I, wait? So why wait? Because how do you know he's going to get you there? That's my issue. How do you know he's going to get you there? He's good enough to, to win now. But how, he's good to enough win, to, now. But how far? To win how far? If you if all you're doing is winning the division or getting into the wild card year over year, well, congratulations. Do you just fork out contract extensions? Like if that's the way it's going to be, then give Derrick Henry fifteen million dollars a year because that man took the Titans past the Patriots and into the next round. So Derrick Henry this, doesn't play quarterback. You know Ryan Tannehill is going to make you know thirty million dollars next year. He gets this, franchise tag. <laughs> this is true. This is this is true. Yeah, but, oh, but like, but by that perspective, like, you gotta you gotta show you can win. Like, not just win that one game. Not just holy shit. Look at that. I'm one in ten on Monday nights now. No, you can't. We want more. You gotta you gotta show me more. You won in the wild card round. Good job. So do four other teams every single year. So do four other quarterbacks every single year. Give me more. Show me more. Like, I mean, I, I guess with. The Eagles situation, they extended Carson Wentz because they had a good point. He was injured. That was a good time to do it because you you had the leverage to say, you can bet on yourself or we'll give you $35 million a year right now for the next five years. With Kirk Cousins, it's t- it's there's none of that leverage. It's You got to prove it. You got to prove it to us. You got to prove. I mean, they already showed, basically said, you are our franchise quarterback because look at the situation he's in. But on the other hand, now you got to bring us. If you're fully guaranteeing a contract, you expect a championship from that. You have to. The first fully guaranteed contract in the NFL, you have to expect. Like John Gruden's contract with the Raiders. Ten years, $100 million. You have to expect a championship at some point in that. I, if you're giving I, a, no way. In that there is no way money. I expect 
there's no way when I when they signed Kirk Cousins that I expect them to get a championship. I'm sorry, I just I just didn't. You know why? So you fully guaranteed your quarterback, and you don't expect they had to. You didn't have to fully guarantee. There was there was a bidding war. He could they could have put the they didn't have to fully guarantee it. They could have put more on the annual. They could have out guaranteed the eighty five million and then went above and beyond and went for five years or six years. uh, It depends on what he wanted. If he wanted a fully guaranteed contract, which players are trying to do, and he was the first quarterback to hit free agency, what since Peyton Manning, um, if ever, full like full free agency. Like, he was the first one to do it. He was definitely going to get what he got. And there was no there was no thought in my head that they're signing Kirk Cousins to, to be a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Obviously, that's the goal, but not in my head. I was going to say, you don't get your franchise quarterback and say, all right, now we're comfortable with mediocrity for the next four years, five years. You get that person with the expectation that they're going to, you know, they're going to be that thing that elevates your team. That they give you a chance. And I think he has given them a chance. And I think that they get, he has a weapons, man. Hell, Carson Wentz would give for that. Carson Wentz would have given for those weapons. Brady would love those weapons. Yeah, Tom Brady (laughs) would love those weapons. And you know what the crazy reality of the situation is? If Tom Brady went there, Tom Brady might actually probably would win them a championship. He probably would take them to the Super Bowl because he's a big-time player. He, I would fully guarantee a contract, maybe not for 43-year-old Tom Brady next year, but I probably would have fully guaranteed a contract for 38, 39-year-old Tom Brady, who, if he wanted a fully guaranteed three or four years, because he's proven a big-game winner and a big-game quarterback. That's the difference. In I just don't know what the alternative. I just, I just don't know what the alternative is for him, for the Vikings. Sorry, um, if you don't resign a top ten quarterback, who are you going to resign? You but put you know? but, but put your put all your marbles in and say, Kirk, we're not giving you that extension. Now that you fully guarantee one contract, guaranteed he has to be fully guaranteed again on this next contract, or he's walking anyways. So that ultimately the the, the fence is up there already. You start negotiations now and say, look, we're not going to guarantee you, but we'll give you a longer deal, blah, blah, blah. And you will make you, you know, an offer where you're the Vikings quarterback for the next five years. You know, that's all. That's all you have to say to him. I I think he has. I just don't know if I'm convinced on on Kirk Cousins, because like, I mean, so you fully guarantee and then you're going to give him five years at probably the highest AD, the highest uh, average per year APY for a quarterback. I'm just not sold that I'm will, ready to do that when he hasn't proven himself. If you think one wild card weekend as a as a franchise quarterback in four years is is proven the co- proven the big time player and that fully guaranteed contract, I I, I I cry for you at night. I really do. Top ten quarterback. I would top yeah. You can go top ten quarterback. Yeah, sure. Go ahead with the top ten quarterback. But I would probably take that top ten quarterback who who the other nine ahead of him who have Super Bowl rings on their fingers. I'd probably take a Drew Brees. I'd probably take a Tom Brady. I'd probably take a hell. I'd probably take a Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is going to be do a mega contract. Like those are the types of guys. They're big time players. They're big game winners. They're big game quarterbacks. You want to pay? You want to wait and pay Kirk Cousins that that kind of money that you're gonna to have to pay? You know, all those guys are gonna get re-signed, and then you're gonna be sitting at Kirk, looking at Kirk Cousins like, mm, I don't know if I want to pay him forty million dollars. There's always quarterbacks. There's always quarterbacks. Let's take it back a minute to the Doug Peterson elite coach conversation. He took a quarterback with good weapons, a backup quarterback, career backup quarterback. To the Super Bowl, made him a Super Bowl MVP, gave him a Super Bowl with the weapons. There's quarterbacks always. There's quarterbacks always in this league, and you just never know what they could do. Mike Zimmer could take a Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's a, I wouldn't say he's a big game winner, but he could take a Ryan Fitzpatrick who can sling a ball in his sleep and potentially win a Super Bowl with him. 
I'm just no, saying that I, I don't think Kirk Cousins that, is that big-time guy that you go and extend him now with the fear that you might have to pay him $50 million at the end of next year because he is not – he is not a Dak Prescott. He should make more than Dak Prescott, but Dak Prescott's obviously going to get good money. And he's not a Patrick Mahomes, so you should not have to worry about having to pay him similar to Patrick Mahomes. But the contract situations in the NFL, like we have said a couple times now, are pretty wild. And you could see a $50 million a year Kirk Cousins because they value him more than like a Patrick Mahomes or something ridiculous no. like that. Don't don't be ridiculous. No one's valuing over Mahomes. Okay, maybe over Wentz, but not Mahomes. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, okay. Well, we could go on about this for a while, but I'm saying no. Don't extend Kirk Cousins until he proves he's a big time baller, a big game winner for you. You're saying re-sign him before his value goes up, which I can respect that point because you just never know. You get a guy at a low or you get a guy right before he hits a high, just like we did with Carson Wentz, just like people have done before. They're, they're like the Chiefs are trying to do with Patrick Mahomes. They're trying to get him before he hits that real high because if Patrick Mahomes leads him to a Super Bowl this year, screw a $40 million a year quarterback. Yeah, we could be heading towards a 45 and $50 million a year quarterback. Yeah, for sure. So now – as is tradition with crossing borders, I welcome you to the guarantee. Usually it's a guarantee of the week, but we're going to take out of these four topics. We are going to give a guarantee based on these four topics. Pick one that you can guarantee is going to happen, say, the next year or the next two years. And I will follow up with you and call you out on it on Twitter down the road when it comes true or doesn't come true. Well, if it comes true, I probably won't call you out. I'll probably just kind of hibernate. And if it comes true, if it doesn't come true, I'll probably rag on you on Twitter. But from these four topics that we talked about, give me a guarantee of the year, decade, month, whatever you think. Out of the four topics we talked about today. Yep. Have some fun with it. I mean, calling the Pats dynasty over, that's a tough one. And we can't go on that because we don't know what calling over is. Well, let's say... You seem high on Kirk Cousins. Why don't you guarantee us an extension date? Well, I can. I will. I would say Kirk Cousins gets re-signed before the 2021 offseason. So this offseason, I expect him to get re-signed. So you expect him re-signed before the start of the 2020 season? So before next September? Correct. Before this September? All right. Interesting. I like that. I like that. You have a lot of faith. I don't know if I'd trust you in the front office for the Vikings. but. (laughs) And for me, my guarantee is Derrick Henry. I don't – I argued the don't re-sign – I think that the Titans will be completely ridiculous. I think the Derrick, Derrick, the Derrick Henry sweepstakes will drive his value up really high. I think he ends up going on a four-year, $13.5 million APY contract, and he'll end up in a Titans uniform with the most guaranteed money for a... Not probably not the most guaranteed, but I don't see him getting the Zeke guarantee money. But he's going to get a near-fully guaranteed contract. Four years, $13.5 million APY. Probably, I'm got, I'm calling probably 90% guaranteed on that contract. Nice, nice for him. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be very nice for him. But that's how crazy I think that running back market will get, and that Derrick yeah. Henry market will get. Somebody is gonna regret their investment severely in about two three years. Anyways, Corey, it, it's been great. This was fun. Thank you for coming on and sharing this time with me and talking some of the storylines that came out of Wildcard Weekend. Is there anything else you want to mention? Any projects you want to just shamelessly pitch while you have the chance? No, I'm, I'm going to be working on a couple articles here for unwrapsports.com. So I'll be on the lookout for those. But no, I really appreciate you having me on. You can do yeah, this anytime. This is- yeah, this was definitely fun. And next time, maybe I'll get you on for a basketball one. You seem me a basketball player, so you probably watch the NBA a little bit. Probably know a little yeah, bit yeah. about that. So, yeah, we'll definitely get you on again for sure. And, yeah, make sure you follow him uh, on Twitter and make sure you follow the Unwrapped Bets 
I mean, sometimes bets unwrapped. Unwrapped bets, yeah, that's it. And then uh, and unwrapped sports. Follow unwrapped sports too. They've given me a great opportunity. They've given Corey a great opportunity. So definitely follow them. Give me a follow at Connor Ten, and uh, get ready for some awesome divisional football coming up. I'll be back next week with another guest to talk the divisional the divisional game storylines. But thank you, everyone, and have a great weekend.